0: We are continuing our series uh, called God-Given Authority. God-Given Authority. And um, we're going to begin with a short review and then uh, we'll pick up in Ephesians and Romans. We'll go to Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and Romans chapter 6. Um, God-Given Authority. Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us authority. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would give us light that you would show us, that you would reveal to us things that we need to see, Father, things for each and every individual life, things that will affect us, things that will give us the solid ground to stand on that we need in order to fulfill your call and fulfill your place that you've called us to fulfill in the earth. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. That he lives inside of us, that he leads us, he guides us, that we're not doing this alone, but the greater one lives on the inside of us, that he reveals and opens up your truth, your word, the realm of your spirit. Father, we thank you for your very life and your very nature, living inside of us and living through us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. It is a privilege we have to read the words of God. The Bible is God speaking to you and speaking to me. And somebody said, like, well, I would like the Lord to speak to me. I would like to like, uh, hear an audible voice. You know what? This is actually more solid than any audible voice. If you ever did hear an audible voice, you should make sure that it lines up with the Word of God, because uh, people can uh, uh, get off that way. The Bible says there's many voices in the world, and none of them are without significance. So if there's many voices, then you have to pay attention to which voice you're listening to. And uh, you could find that out just by watching the news that there's many voices. Those are even just natural voices. Sometimes the natural voices, uh, I won't even say how often, but natural voices many times are influenced by unseen forces. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places or heavenly places. So sometimes the problem that we have or the problem that you have with an individual is actually not with the individual. (laughs) It's actually what's behind the individual, what's motivating the individual. And uh, sometimes with individuals, they're not even aware of what's motivating them. And this is, most times when it's evil, they're not. Because the Bible says that the devil, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them that do not believe. Because otherwise, if they weren't blinded, everyone would say, you know what, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I want to receive Jesus. Uh, But we know that Satan has blinded the minds of those that don't believe. And therefore, the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to them. Because they don't see, because they see just with natural eyes, because the things of Christ and the things of the kingdom of God are spiritually discerned because God is a spirit and they that worship him in John chapter four says, must worship him in spirit and in truth. But God is a spirit. God is not a mind. So if you want to approach God, you cannot approach God mentally. If you want to approach God, you cannot approach God physically. You have to approach God spiritually from your heart. Well, what's your heart? That's the center of your being. That's where uh, your life springs from, the core of your being. Like uh, I've said before, probably during this series, you know, you'll, you'll hear particularly, um, maybe because men are more visual, you normally hear women say this, uh, he just likes me for my body. Right? You'll hear that like in so many places. So you realize that is a statement acknowledging the fact that you are more than your body. And Eddie might not understand this, right? Because how old are you? 19 19 years old. So he's probably not as conscious of it, I'll just say, as I am, so not to ensure that I don't offend anybody. But I remember my, my grandparents saying this and my parents saying this, and now I'm starting to say it. And think it, and that is, you know, the body is getting older, and I have a very healthy body, and it's renewed day by day, but I still feel like mentally, I when I think of myself, I see myself as like 23, like about 23, and I have these thoughts of like 23, and uh, I'm kind of like, you know, my body's getting older, and I'm only 41, but I'm older than I was when I was 23. In fact, I'm almost getting to a point where I'm going to double 23, (laughs) right? And be 46 uh, in a few years, but, you know, I'm a forward thinker. (laughs) So uh, you start to realize, even as you age, you inherently know, and even if you're not a Christian, you inherently know you are more than your body. You're a lot more than your body. And so we approach God from the real us the core of who we are, from our spirits. That is our approach to God. Uh, And so when you accept Jesus Christ, uh, what happens is you are transformed. What does that mean? You are completely changed from the inside, from the foundation, the building blocks of who you are, change. But Eddie's already a Christian, but if he wasn't, His hair is not going to flop to the other side unless he makes it flop to the other side. (laughs) Right? In other words, I'm saying, like, if he was not a Christian right now and he prayed right now, received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, his outward appearance would not change. I'd like to say the exception to that is redemption is actually spirit, soul, and body. And you're not under the curse. you redeem from the curse when you accept Jesus Christ because he became a curse for you. So you can find out if you're going to pray with someone to receive Christ and they have sickness in their body, you might as well command the sickness to go and just say, you know what? Your sins, just like Jesus did, your sins are forgiven you. You can go pick up your mat and walk because the redemption is right available. So you can have like a physical change if it's part of sickness and disease and part of the curse. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, His looks are not going to change. It's the spirit man that changes. So any man that be in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. Your mind also is not changed. You have to renew your mind uh, with the word of God. What happens? You start to see what God said. You start to hear what God said, and it starts to affect you. From the point that when you're born again, God calls you a saint, not a sinner. So now the foundation of everything is different. We talked last week. This changes everything. So you're a whole approach to God. Before you're born again, your approach to God is an out, is as an outsider. Once you're born again, your approach to God is as an intimate member of the family of God. Part of God. Actually, uh, the word tells us that his, we, his spirit has become one with our spirits. That's part of the, the uh, new creation reality. So you see that Christianity and the cross changes everything. And so God has actually given us his authority. Authority is delegated power. We talked about the example of like a police officer or a law enforcement person that's directing traffic. That person has no ability, uh, they're no match, it may be a better way to think of it, they're no match for a 3,000 pound automobile. <laughs> or if you have a smart car, what do those weigh, like 1,000 pounds? <laughs> Still, I weigh, 100 and, what do I weigh 150 pounds or something like that. I'm no match for even a smart car. I'm no match for a motorcycle. Like, I would get run over. So if I held up my hand, put a police officer uniform on, held up my hand, uh, they would stop because they'd think I was a police officer. Not because they think, like, their car is no match for my body. Right? And I'm not trying to be, like, uh, whatever. Um, kidding about it. Uh, it's, it's a serious thing. Like, you actually have that authority. We even talked about the president has the authority to order the military to do certain things, but he doesn't have the physical Strength to do that. He doesn't have the physical strength to flap his arms and fly up somewhere and drop a bomb somewhere. Uh, He does it because of his authority. So authority is actually delegated power. What does that mean? Well, that means that power came from somewhere. So the value of that authority is based upon um, the source of that authority. And it's based on the force that's backing up the user of authority. So if you have... um, the president of Micronesia, or, you know, one time I, I met the prime minister of St. Kitts one time when I worked in D.C. in the uh, mid-90s, and so let's, we could say him. If you have the prime minister of St. Kitts, and he says to some uh, evil or country that's doing evil things or something, you better stop it, uh, they might, like, laugh him. Like, are you serious? Uh-huh. You know, I met the guy because he is a head of state. He has the exact same secret service contingent that any head of state, you know, that that uh, any president or prime minister would have. He, he just has a very, very small country. I don't even think they have a military. I think we kind of like take care of them. But then if the president of the United States says, you better stop that. And he starts to move ships and planes and all this type of stuff. Well, Nobody's afraid of the president of the United States. They're afraid of the authority and the force that he represents that's behind him. So it's not actually him physically doing something. It's him saying, this is what we're going to do. And because he says it and he is in the position of authority, it actually affects things. You see that with our president now because a lot of people get concerned about him because they say, like, well, you shouldn't just say this or just say that because you're the president of the United States. And when you say stuff, like, people start to change and do all this, right? Well, uh, that's because of the position that he's in. It's not because who he is, right? Right? It's President Donald Trump. And so even before he was president, because he was a billionaire, if he said something about finances, it would affect people. Why would it affect people? Because of the force behind him, financial force, right? So he had this, so people were kind of like, Warren Buffett says something financial, people kind of pay attention. Right? I don't know about you, but if you read the news online, I get these ads a lot of times that say, like, Warren Buffett says, like, this is the clue to the, you know, they're just trying to, so they're trying to play off of his position, and because he has experience and success, he has a position of authority. Well, Jesus Christ, he has authority, but he has authority because of his conquests, like in the financial realm, Warren Buffett or Donald Trump were successful or are successful financially because of their conquest. In other words, because of what they have done, what they have accomplished. Well, Jesus has it because of that, but also because God himself conferred it upon him. And so Jesus came and he died, and when he died he took on the sins of every single one of us. Everyone that has lived, is living, or will live, he took on the sins of all of mankind. And he paid for those on the cross. But not only did he do that, He then went to hell itself and defeated all the forces of the enemy. He took our penalty in every way possible. He took our penalty, fulfilled it in full. That's the whole reason we don't have to go to hell. That's the whole reason we get to go to heaven, is because Jesus took the penalty, because there had to be a penalty paid, because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. So Jesus took that upon him. But not only did he take that upon him, and uh, like whoop their butt, he then gave us the nature and the life of God. Right? So it wasn't just to pay that penalty, because otherwise, he wouldn't need to raise from the dead. He could have stayed dead, but it would not have uh, affected you and me where we could actually have the life of God and be recreated in God, but our sins would be paid for. <laughs> So the believer who is fully conscious of the divine power behind him and of his authority can face the enemy without hesitating. So if you've ever had like uh, the devil bring up stuff to you or this or that or whatever and you're kind of like you know um, I know (laughs) when I was in Augusta, Georgia I had some uh, friends and uh, this particular gentleman he would say like I would say, like, you know, I, I don't plan on getting sick. I don't, he's like, oh, I, I would never say that. And I said, well, I don't plan on getting sick because it says by his stripes I'm healed, you know? Um, the Word of God says that. God says that. And he said, oh, I, I, I would never say that because the devil is going to hear you say that and he's going to, like, put sickness on you and you probably get a disease and you'll die young. And uh, when he said this, I was I was new into these things, and I was just learning these. But I knew a little bit, and I said, "Well, I just believe that by His stripes I'm healed, and um, you know the devil's not more powerful than God." But you find, like, if you listen to Brother Hagin's series on this or anybody else, that is a very common occurrence. Like, I'm not, like, making up something so I can sound like them. Like, if you've been alive long and you've talked to many people, that's probably happened to you. And uh, people are like, oh, I'd never say that for anything in the world, you know? The devil put that on you. Well, that's because they're more devil conscious than God conscious, or they're more circumstance conscious than God conscious, or they're more experience conscious than word conscious, Because you start to realize, do you know, like, the devil has no power over you except for what you allow. But we so often allow so many things because we're busy and we're distracted and we're just going through life. And so we put up with things we have no business putting up with. And then we'll even wonder... Uh, Well, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Well, I can't answer that situation unless you tell me what it is and the Spirit of God tells me, but I can say many times in my own life when I have those thoughts or I say those words, it's because I have not taken my position. I have not stopped and said. So we were, uh, um, Melody and I uh, traveled with Dad Hagen, uh, Kenneth Hagen Sr., uh, in his traveling ministry we worked at the at the local church there too and also the Bible school. But um, we traveled with him on the road. And I remember one particular meeting I was traveling and I was over uh, television. And so uh, uh, not back at the, on the road I was over television. Back home I was a, a helper in many areas of the television. But on the road I was over all of the television. And so I had authority in that area. And so, but as things are, you know, there's in ministry, you have to choose, like finances here or there or wherever. And I had a boss back home and a boss on the road. My boss back home wanted me to like, be home all the time and not travel with uh, Kenneth Hagan. Well, of course, I wanted to travel with Kenneth Hagan. That was an awesome privilege. And so, uh, you know, they tried to get me off of the road, and, uh, but Dad Hagen wanted me on the road, so we stayed on the road. And so did his grandson and, and a few other people. So, um, But in the process, I saw this, and we would sell, like, VHS tapes at that time. Anybody remember VHS tapes? (laughs) Eddie, those are, like, they're, like, this big. And they have two things, that you put them in, and it opens up. Um, You couldn't actually just download it online. It was, like, a physical physical thing. So we had these VHS tapes, and uh, uh, they'd sell them on the table. And, like, they weren't selling very good. And a good friend of mine, she said to me, she said... um, how, how, how are the sales going there? And I said, you know, they're not very good. And, da, da, da. and I said, you know, they're wanting to get me off the road as well. And she said, why don't you speak to those tapes? Command them to sell. And I said, what? And she said, speak to them. I said, well, yeah, I don't know why. I didn't, I didn't think of that. And so I spoke to the tapes. And, you know, I said, you sell in Jesus' name. And I didn't say it because, like, I'm just all self-centered, but I know what material is on there. I know the word of God that's there. I know the change it caused in my life and I knew the change it could cause in other people's life. So uh, I say that because um, I try to be very honest and uh, God-centered not self-centered. And So even when I was doing it, the thought came to me is this a self-centered thing that I'm doing? And I said no, this word needs to get out. People need to hear this. And so then for myself, then I had solid ground to be bold about it. I don't know if that makes any sense to you but You know, for me, like self-centered stuff and like trying to like, that's not the route I want to go. You know, I I just want to focus on the Lord. So anyhow, so I commanded myself. Well, so we would go, and you're on the road, and people think, oh, you're on vacation, and so you're just you're just having this time off. And I get back, and I was working like five weeks, no days off, because you go and do both places. And they're like, are you back from your vacation? I'm like, ah, real funny. And um. (laughs) So we would have normally half a day where we could go do something fun in the area. And sometimes we wouldn't even have that. And it was right after we would set up. And so, um, but we would have in the afternoons, maybe two to three hours where you could freshen up, take a little nap if you needed to, and then get back for the services. Well, we, we spoke to the tapes. I, my, uh, I don't know if we were married at the time. Okay. We were engaged at the time. And, um, and so she knew, of course, because she's my fiance. you know. Man And the tapes and stuff like that. Well, we no longer got to have a rest in the afternoon because we sold so many tapes, we couldn't keep up with making the tapes. Yep. So we had to like, make another batch, make another batch, and everybody's like, and then they're going back and resting, and I'm like, I don't know if this is such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome to watch the Word of God get into the hands of people, and it taught me a huge lesson. Yep. Because that's something that I looked at, and I would look and be like, oh, man, they didn't sell very much again. That's, that's so strange. That was like a really good service. I would want to have that, you know? And um, uh, But I found out I actually had a position of authority, and it actually mattered what I believed and what I spoke. Well, the same thing can be true if you're like, on. that's like, to me, on a positive note. But you could have like a negative note where you have like, why do these Uh, things keep happening to me? Why does this keep breaking? Why does this keep coming? Why this? Why that? Well, uh, i got to tell you this. In the world you will have trouble. Right? So when you become a Christian when you understand your authority it is no um, uh, what do you call it? Pass to have no trouble. In fact you might have more trouble. But read the rest of the verse. The next verse Jesus said but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Well, if you don't understand authority, that does, is still like, well, that, you know, you're kind of like, well, good for you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad you have overcome the world. Uh, I don't want to be self-centered while I'm praying right now, but I was kind of thinking about this problem that I'm having. You're saying this is like you're going to have trouble, but be a good cheer. I'm doing good, you know. <laughs> so at least I'm doing good. If somebody has to suffer, let it be you. No, that's not why he said that. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world because the fact that he overcame the world actually affects you and affects me. And uh, this is where we're at today. So Ephesians chapter one, uh, and we'll start with verse 19 and 20, and then we'll look over at Romans chapter six, uh, Ephesians chapter one, uh, verse 19 and 20. Of course, we talked about these Ephesians prayers Um You can get light and understanding and revelation. What does that mean? You can actually understand what this means by the Spirit of God, more than just the words on the page. You can pray the same prayers that Paul prayed in uh, the first one in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to pick up uh, towards the end of it in verse 19. I'll, I'll read verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, Amplified says flooded with light. And, you know, we we live in the country, and uh, it can get dark in the country, especially in Virginia, by the way. Anyhow, (laughs) even in the city, it's dark in the city. When we came from Michigan, they had, like, streetlights everywhere or something, and you could see a lot more, but because they had floodlights, and they would, like, it flooded with light, and so... When you're, you're trying to see, like we were trying to, a week or so ago, we camped out with the kids for one night in the yard, and uh, it was going to rain. We knew it was going to rain for like four days, and we're like, oh, we've got to get this picked up, and it was dark already, and so we took the tractor down there and put light on it so we could like pick up the tent and <laughs> do all this stuff, even with that light that's directed this way, you still couldn't see quite everything. And we had a little badminton net and we, we picked it up. And uh, the next morning I went out and I found my, you know, I shine the lights. Where we're picking up the badminton net. And the next morning I go out and I found my daughter's uh, sandals soaking wet <laughs> out there. But yet we had looked at everything. Why? Because we didn't have enough light. And so it actually affected what we were able to do. And so we have to have and you have to have light from God in order to effectively live the life that he planned for you. He planned a life for you, but he planned a life for you that's flooded with light. The only way you have that light flooding on you is you have not because you ask not. Mm -hmm. Or because when you ask, you ask amiss with the wrong motives, right? Uh, That's what Jesus said. And so you want to ask in faith, nothing doubting. You want to ask and these prayers, that's why I like these prayers, these prayers you can know like the Spirit of God gave these prayers. He's not selfish. Actually, He never even speaks of Himself. If He gave these prayers, then you can know whoa, these are prayers I can pray that are completely not Mm self-centered, completely not selfish. Mm Why? Why? Well, when you get light and you get revelation and you get understanding, it does not only affect you. It affects everyone that you come in contact with because you actually start to think like God and act like God. So verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. This was like the greatest exertion of power by God that's recorded in the word of God. In the raising of Jesus Christ. And yet even in one place it says it just was like equivalent to God moving his little finger. But still it's the greatest greatest display of power uh, that you'll see from God in the whole word of God. Let's keep reading. Verse 21, uh, which he wrote in, or verse 20, I'll do it to give context, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. He set him far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. So again we see Jesus is seated in pretty good place. And Jesus is doing pretty good. Be of good cheer I have overcome the world verse 22 and has put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And so we could read that, and we could rejoice, and we could dance, and we could run and say, Woo, Jesus has conquered. Jesus is above. But let's not stop. Continue reading. Uh, You know, the chapters and verses are actually not in the original. Those are just there to divide it up. So verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And you has he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Actually, has he quickened is, is not in the original text. It's supplied to try and help with your understanding. You would actually read it, and you who were dead and trespasses and sins. And he's quickened, because it goes on to, the context is that. Wherein in times past you walked according to the Uh, course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. What's he saying? Well, so you used to in this world, you used to go with the flow, go with the flow of the world, uh, according to the God of this world, who is the devil. Verse three, among whom also we had our conversation, that means manner of life in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Do you know that there's lusts of the flesh and lusts of the mind? Uh, Intellectualism so much is actually a lust of the mind. It's it's the mind crying out for dominion and control. And uh, it's apart from God. You see that in Romans chapter 1, that they did not acknowledge God. And their foolish hearts were darkened and then they got depraved and all kind of things happened. Why? Because they refused to acknowledge that God, the creator, they refused to acknowledge that it was God that had done this. And it's so easy to go down that intellectual route and actually deify your thinking. We have the mind of Christ and we are to think, but we're to think in submission to God. But God, verse four, who is rich in mercy with his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, this is where the translators got that extra part to add in, has quickened us together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. Uh, For by grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I apologize if I'm going too fast. I want to make sure I get this in. Sure I'll hear about it from my mother. <laughs> Romans chapter 6. <laughs> Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verse 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Actually, I'm going to start with verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so grace might reign, unto, uh, reign through righteousness to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's saying sin reigned; another sin was in charge, and it produced death. So uh, you know, another place he says, uh, or further in, before in Romans, that we were slaves to sin, to serve its desires and its will. That sin, as sin has been in charge or reigned, and it produced death. Even so, might grace, which is a free gift of God, reign or rule? or have dominion through righteousness... So actually the way that grace rules in your life, in other words, that the way that you're like, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And every time you turn around, there's grace, there's mercy. The way these things happen, the way these things are apprehended is through righteousness, but not through a man made or man produced righteousness, through a God produced righteousness. In other words, through what Jesus Christ did, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, then we actually are partakers of his righteousness. Uh, Corinthians tells us that we have become God's righteousness in him. So we become as right with God as God is right with himself through Jesus Christ. Well, how right is God with himself? Think about that. (laughs) It's by Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? In other words, should we just keep trying to miss stuff so we get more grace, more grace, more grace? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live in that any longer? Know you not that uh, so many of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So you know where we're going. When he died on the cross, you died with him. When he was raised from the dead, you were raised with him. When he was seated in heavenly places, you were seated there with him. In other words, he did it. And it was reckoned, the Bible says. That's an accounting term. In other words, it was added up. If you reckon your checkbook or you reckon your bank account, you, okay, this one here, this one here, this one here, okay, that all adds up, boom. So this is what we have. You reconcile it so you can figure out exactly what you have. Well, when you reconcile this, God reconciled it. Reckon yourselves indeed dead to sin. Well, how can you do that? Because when Christ died, you died with him. Your sinful nature died when Christ died. Uh, died with him. Therefore we are buried with him, verse 4, by baptism into death, and like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So imagine this, Jesus died and came back from the dead with newness of life. He was the firstborn of a new generation, a new species of being. And we're supposed to realize that, recognize that, and walk in the newness of life, the newness of zoe, the life and the nature of God. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 7 For he that is dead is freed from sin. Oh Well uh, let me pause for just a second. What happens there? Well, like I started out, we actually live so many times based on experiences. Well, I really got upset with what they did. It really upset me, and I really, wa- I really wanted to respond, and I felt like I needed to respond. And so I did it. That's just, that's just who I am. That's just what I have. Well, if maybe you've never read this or realized it, maybe that's what you do. Well, I'm just a fearful person. I just, I just... Uh, get afraid of stuff all the time. And this and that and that. That's, that's just, my grandma. My mother was that way and my grandmother was that way. That's just how I am. Well, you realize that if you don't know the truth, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. And so the Holy Spirit is telling us through the apostle Paul, the truth, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That from now on, we would not serve sin. What is that saying to you? What is that saying to me? That that your sinful nature has been destroyed, has actually been crucified with Christ. Well, if that's true, what does that mean? Well, that means that your nature on the inside when you receive Jesus Christ is actually the life and the nature of God which we've been studying. And if that's true, then the real you actually doesn't even want to sin. The real you is actually not acquainted with sin. The real you doesn't have a pattern of, sin, pattern of sinning. But, but let me tell you this, like sugar. Okay, I'm not one of these people that thinks sugar is a sin, so I don't know where everybody's at, but anyhow. <laughs> Everything good with Thanksgiving and prayer. Okay, but I believe in being led by the Spirit of God. Okay, and I believe not in making a pig and doing all that type of stuff. You eat healthy and be balanced. But I have, I have some friends that they're like, I'm like, well, I got this rice check cereal. Like, is that, that sugar in it? Because it doesn't have sugar as the first ingredients. Like, way down, there's almost none in it. Well, yeah, it's sugar. I'm like, it's sugar? What do you mean? Well, the rice turns to sugar as soon as you eat it. And I said, okay, let's have a different, let's have a different conversation. But the point is, you can get addicted to sugar. You can get addicted to almost anything, but you can get addicted to sugar. And then when you're addicted to sugar, you can have a bunch of sweet stuff and it doesn't have as much of an effect on you. But uh, if you want to try sometime, you could actually cut out sugar for a period of time. And if you cut it out for long enough, maybe like a week or two, all of a sudden you'll find like anything with a little bit of sugar in it is like overwhelmingly sweet to you. In fact, when I have done that... um, Basically, I find like I don't like these processed sugars. I only like the natural sugars, and even sometimes I'll eat a banana. And I'm like, this is a little oversweet, <laughs> and it's a banana. Before, you'd have it on like a, a what's that called? Banana split with <laughs> syrup and all kind of stuff and ice cream, and you know the banana is the least sweet. You do that to like lose some sweetness. Uh, but the point is, m- your body gets conditioned. And so you think, oh, no, this is, this is not sweet. This is sweet. That's not actually true. You've kind of desensitized yourself. And so in the flesh, you get used to certain things. Like my body would get used to sugar, and so then I'd have like an appetite for that amount of sugar. And um, so in the flesh, your flesh has appetites. And if you're always giving in to those appetites, you'll find that those start to direct your life but you can choose to do it or not do it. Um, I think sometimes of depression, where people can get uh, depressing thoughts come, or you're terrible, or all this type of stuff comes. And you know, when you're not in a depressive state, uh, and those thoughts come, that's when you need to resist the devil. Actually, uh, the Bible says at his very onset. Well, when I've dealt with people with depression, when they don't do that, And they yield to those thoughts and they go further and further and further down the road. You know what they say to me? I know I'm supposed to resist, but I can't. I'm numb. I don't know what to do. And they actually need somebody's help to get over it. Because why? They got there because they have a pattern of giving in to that. Giving in, giving in, giving in, giving in. They can be born again, filled with the Spirit, have the same anointing on their life that Jesus Christ had on their life. But if... The Holy Spirit is not a controlling demon. He is a perfect gentleman, just like God. Okay, He's God in spirit form. And so you find that He's not going to force anything on you. He's not even going to force blessings on you. He's not going to force His goodness on you. If He would, you know, then He would force every single person to receive Jesus Christ because he, the Bible says that God desires that all come to know Him to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and actually we learn in Corinthians that God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ everyone that's alive on the earth everyone that's alive on the earth is already made right with God You say like, does that mean everybody's going to heaven? No, it does not mean everybody's going to heaven because we are ministers of reconciliation. In other words, we're supposed to go tell the world God's not mad at you, He's not upset at you, He actually paid the price for your mess-ups through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to be the children of God. So it doesn't become real in your life until you act on what you believe, that you say, I trust God, that this is true, And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The minute that happens from your heart, you are born again. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, uh, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For with the heart, you believe to being right with God. So you believe you're right with God, but you still haven't confessed. The second that you confess, in other words, you believe it's faith. So you believe, you receive when you pray, and then you'll have. So you, uh, righteousness is from belief. And so you believe, whoa, he's made me right, and I need him. So I receive him. And so the second that you declare that you believe that that happened, the recreation happens, and you're made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have been new. Everything that you receive from God, you receive by faith that way, and all the faith works the same way. So Romans 10 is such a great uh, passage of Scripture for learning how to receive from God by faith. Mm -hmm. With the heart you believe, with the mouth confession is made. Mm -hmm. And so, but you have to have a, a heart faith, not a head faith. Like I I have head faith that Abraham Lincoln was president of the United States, but I, I don't, I can't like stand on that from my heart, right? I just know that that's what it says in the history books and, um, Uh, that's a a head knowledge. But you could have a head knowledge of Jesus Christ, you could have a head knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you could have a head knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, rose again so that you could have His life, have His nature, and you could still not be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. So you can't just know it in your head, but you have to believe it in your heart, When you believe it in your heart, it actually affects your life. It comes out in how you live. So if you ever question, like, am I a Christian, am I born again, look at how you live. Jesus said they will know you by your love. Romans 5 says that the love of God constrains us. And uh, over in, I think it's uh, Peter or John, it says that uh, we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. In other words, to me, the Bible teaches that the most outstanding characteristic to where you know that you were born again or not is you have a love inside of you that is beyond you. What does that mean? Well, sometimes when you want to knock somebody in the head, you have something on the inside like, "Ooh, don't do it, don't do it." And you're like, "I don't really care. I'm going to say." You know, well, that doesn't mean that you're not born again. That just means that you're yielding to your flesh. <laughs> but you have authority, and you have a choice, and you have a will. All to the point that God created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them for mankind. And we had so much authority that we could sell out to the devil, which is what Adam did. Jesus came back in the form of Adam, the second Adam, and got it all back for us. And then he said I've given you authority. So as soon as you operate in Christ you actually have the same authority. It doesn't matter which member of the body you are. If Jesus, the head of the church, was raised In heavenly places at the right hand of god the father he's the head we are the body as soon as service is over and i go out we load the truck and i'm going to go to drive the truck my head is not going to walk out without my body (laughs) wherever my head goes my body goes so jesus as the head is seated in heavenly places with christ jesus and we saw two passages of scripture that i think make it very clear that we are seated up there with him in heavenly places far above all principality. That means when attacks come against your life or attacks come against your mind, don't view it like they're above you and you're under this. You view it, they're under your feet. Those attacks, those thoughts, those challenges are under your feet. Because why? Well if you view it like you're under defeat, then you, you might say something, but you won't really believe it. And so you'll have no boldness and no conviction in your voice. And you're just kind of hoping, oh, like you got to stop. I don't want these thoughts. You have to stop in Jesus name, you know, but you have to have conviction. And uh, one of the best ways that I can say it with conviction is I look at what Jesus did, the price he paid, the fact that he shed his blood. And when I look at that, it helps me get rid of myself so easily. And I say, okay, I don't care. I don't feel like I have authority. I don't feel like it'll work, but I don't have to feel like it. I know Jesus died and he died for me and he shed his blood and he shed his blood for me and when he defeated the devil he didn't do it for himself he did it for me. He is seated in heavenly places for me so I could be in heavenly places. Everything he did he did for me. When he died I died. When he rose I rose. When he was seated on high I was seated on high. And so therefore I refuse to live below what his blood paid for. I'm not going to count his blood nothing. I honor his blood. And so because he paid the price, I'm going to boldly come in. And I'm going to boldly declare that what God says is mine is mine. That I am healed, that I am free, that I am delivered, and that I am a child of God. Uh, Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. I pray for each and every person that we would grab hold of what your spirit is saying to us, what your word declares, and that we would live fully the full life, the God life that you have opened up to us and that you have given to us and that you have put within us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, you can't clean yourself up enough. You cannot uh, make yourself holy enough. and In fact, you shouldn't even try. Jesus actually did that, and he said, just come exactly the way you are because I love you just the way you are. That's foreign to our mind because so many times people only love us for what we can do or what we have. But Jesus said, I saw you at your worst point, and I loved you. Jesus loves you, and He wants to be close to you, and He wants you to invite Him into your heart. If that's you here this morning, I uh, ask you just to lift your hand so I can pray with you and for you. If you're listening online, you can email us at info@anchordc.org. We'll pray with you and for you. In an instant, you'll be changed. Life will be different. You'll have an inner strength, an inner ability, an inner knowing. You'll have God himself living and dwelling on the inside of you. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait for a better time. Today is the day. Now is the time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of Christ in us, our hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen.